I'm Dr. Jack West from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org under the news heading. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack West, Associate Clinical Professor at City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center in Duarte, California, and this is the IASLC podcast, Lung Cancer Considered. I'm joined today by Alex Agi, MD, PhD, who is Professor of Medicine as well as Professor of Pharmacology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and he is also the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Thoracic Oncology. Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Jack. A pleasure to be here. So let's start with your transition to the role of editor-in-chief at uh, Journal of Thoracic Oncology. When was that and what led you to this uh, shift? Because uh, to my knowledge, this was not really something you had done much of before in terms of uh, certainly writing, but uh, not in an editing capacity. Yeah, so I uh, transitioned in 2013 from Jim Jet, and actually I'd been doing uh, a fair amount of editing, but not obviously in the role of uh, editor-in-chief. So I had been a senior editor uh, in Molecular Cancer Therapeutics, which was the journal from AACR where Dan Von Hoff was the editor-in-chief, and this was in the beginning of uh, starting of the journal. And then I was also medical oncology section editor for cancer, uh, the Journal of American Cancer Society, and I'd been uh, associate editor for uh investigational cancer therapeutics. So I had had editorial experience a little bit, but as you know, Jack, you know, being editor-in-chief is certainly a different ball game uh, from being, let's say, an associate editor or senior editor where you're only responsible for uh, a section of the journal. Mm-hmm. And since 2013, how has JTO changed in that interval? Are there new features? Does it have a, a stamp of, of your particular interest in developmental therapeutics? Or are there other ways that JTO has evolved over the last six years or so? Uh, yes. So uh, there certainly has been a period of evolution because, uh, as you know, uh, this is a journal of ISLC, so it's an association journal. And so uh, when I uh, took over, obviously what usually happens with a new editor-in-chief is that uh, you try to refresh the editorial board a little bit. So we started off by doing that, paying attention to representation from different specialties, different geographic regions, as well as gender. And so I appointed uh, two deputy editors, one medical oncologist, and then one radiation oncologist. And I also uh, appointed a reviews editor so that we had somebody who uh, sort of will solicit and oversee review articles, which are usually important for any journal. 
I had uh, a position for what we call the web editor, and the idea was recognizing uh, the way uh, uh, science was going and so on with social media. This web editor will be responsible for our presence on the website as well as image of the month and so on. Uh, and then we had a special content editor and she worked uh, with us to start a new feature which was what we call in this issue. So in this issue is where we highlight uh, a few key articles from each volume and then we had a research watch where we pulled important lung cancer articles from other journals apart from JTO. We had a news in brief, which was more not necessarily purely scientific, but lung cancer news generally worldwide. So it could be things like new approvals or maybe a new important study that was being uh, started elsewhere. And then the tobacco committee actually contributed a news item uh, each month uh, on smoking cessation, uh, tobacco control, and so on. So these became features which are not sort of your standard peer review feature, but news items and so on about lung cancer for uh, the general uh, readership. And, and we've introduced a number of other things. So we, we have a fast track de designation, for instance, so the important articles could come in uh, and go out very quickly. Worked closely with a number of uh, ISLC committees to come up with uh, sort of position papers, reviews on uh, various uh, different aspects of lung cancer. And so uh, I really have to single out the pathology committee that has been really key working with us with all the new classifications as well as the staging committee and then uh, the radiation oncology committee the art committee uh, has also worked with us to come up with important review articles in uh, radiation oncology so it's been a big group effort from the association, uh, from associate editors, and from a number of the ISLC committees to sort of move the journal forward. Obviously, JTO is the official journal of the ISLC, so it's reaching thoracic oncologists from, from various disciplines, including probably surgeons and radiation oncologists, as, as well as other disciplines. Does your intended audience reach beyond that, or does does JTO potentially bring in uh, other people to ISLC based on their interest in the content in the journal? Uh, that's a you know that's a difficult uh, statistic to come up with, but uh, what we try to position ourselves as uh, as you know the premier journal for 
anybody who's interested in thoracic malignancies, regardless of their specific specialty. And obviously, lung cancer is a big one, so it's sort of the predominant disease uh, for the general. But certainly, thymoma, mesothelioma, and so on are all in the mix. Uh, we we do have, uh, as an example, we do have uh, basic scientists on our editorial board. We have red, uh, radiologists as well as, you know, the typical group you think about. We have people with expertise in epidemiology, outcomes, research, and so on. So um, we try to really broaden uh, our outlook. Uh, certainly, uh, when it comes to uh, sort of the general oncologist or uh, let's say a primary care physician, uh, it's a little bit tougher, but we try to provide the kind of information that all of those uh, specialties will find useful. So, for instance, when it comes to staging, you know, if you see a lung cancer patient, whether you're a lung cancer specialist or just a general physician, well, you want to know, uh, so this person's disease, how will I stage it? And we have information there for uh, those kinds of specialists. Uh, our pathology committee uh, tries to come out with uh, guide, well, not guidelines, a lot more position papers and so on, on how to handle samples. So an example is the Blueprint Project, for instance, where they were looking at different antibodies for uh, looking at PDL one from the different manufacturers and so on. So here, our pathology committee actually tries to put out information that's important for the general pathologists who might not be in an uh, academic cancer center where maybe they are only uh, seeing lung cancer and they are lung cancer experts, but they try to reach out to the pathologist in the general community hospital who sees all uh, cancer tissues coming up and the journal tries to be a guide where they can go to and get information on how to handle specific lung cancer samples, as an example. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a couple of the features on the website that I think are new in the last few years, the poll of the month, the image of the month, things like that. How much are you seeing the way that people consume content shift during your tenure there in terms of going from focusing on the print paper, the, the actual journal coming in the mail versus uh, early publications and online access and even mobile. So is this happening uh, in a big shift for you? And if so, is this a, a big opportunity or a, a challenge in terms of, you know, losing revenue from uh, print advertisement uh, as as the way we consume content shifts to digital. Yeah, so it's it's a challenge and an opportunity, and I have to say, it's uh, a challenge and opportunity for uh, a number of other. Uh, association journals. And so uh, I'm glad you bring out this question because one of the features we introduced uh, uh, that was new was uh, to publish on a 
acceptance rapidly, which uh, wasn't there uh, when I took over. So a couple of things we did, uh, number one, in terms of uh, changing the paradigm was every month I have an editor's choice where I try to pick three, four uh, key articles that will be important for uh, people in the field. And these articles are then free uh, for all users who can download them online and so on. For I think we set it free for three months after that. And then uh, we have the uh, publish on acceptance, uh, which has been very useful. So even though we are really proud of uh, our speed in terms of how quickly uh, we handle articles, so that, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example uh, here. So for instance, from the time somebody uh, uh, submits an article to a final decision, uh, our average has been like 10 days. Right? I mean, obviously there are outliers, but we try to do it quickly. But as you can imagine in the general business, the problem is that you make decisions very quickly and you get these things accepted and so on, but then uh, you have constraints with how quickly you can actually uh, publish that specific article in terms of in print, right? And so, for instance, our final acceptance to uh, print for original articles has been about uh, three and a half to four months, which is really good. You know, uh, our publisher is Elsevier and all their journals in the sort of thoracic malignancy area. We are the leader in terms of coming out quickly, but that's still too slow for this current digital media. But we can get uh, articles online within uh, at most three weeks from acceptance. And that delays usually getting all the paperwork signed like conflict of interest uh, information and so on and so forth. And I think that has really uh, have a big uptick because we are getting a lot of letters to the editor and questions and comments and so on on articles that sometimes I've forgotten that we've published, right? So I'll, I'll get a letter to the editor and I said, gee, we just accepted this like three weeks ago. Well, it's because it's online and people are really accessing uh, the journals online. So it's a big shift. And now in terms of the revenue, uh, so far, uh, I think uh, part of the issue for this particular journal is that because we are an association journal, we have a global audience. And as you know, Jack, as much as um, you know, the internet has permeated everywhere in the world, still unfortunately not all our readership in some of the less developed countries gather access as quickly. So poll after poll, members value getting the journal as one of the most important parts of their membership. So I think we are going to grow and shift and so on. And what I will presume is that as content shift more online, we'll get to a point where 
advertisers uh, might be also more willing to shift their advertisements online so that in terms of revenue and so on, there might not be a big uh, difference. But I think we are at the cusp of a revolution where we have to rethink you know, how we offer these materials to our readers. And then finally, can you tell us a bit about some of the metrics that have shown the growth of JTO, the impact factor circulation, uh, you know, over the last five, seven years? I, I believe there are a lot of things to take pride in, uh, but uh, perhaps you can just uh, highlight a few of the, of the uh, big features. Yeah, so I'll, I'll highlight a few. I mean, in terms of um, the uh, circulation and so on, I don't have that information. But what I can tell you, for instance, is that, uh, you know, when I took over in 2013, uh, for that year, all our submissions were like 1,200. And we are now crunching the numbers for 2018, but the first seven months of 2018, we had 1,023 submissions. So in seven months, we had almost as many submissions as we had in all of 2013. And, and looking at that, 2014, we're like 1,256. So 2013 to about 2015, we're kind of flat. It was 2016 that we got a bump to 1,400 and 1,500, and then we have right now we have a, a lot of submissions. In terms of where we rank, you know, in uh, 2013, our impact factor was 5.8, and and here uh, a word out for those who might not uh, be familiar with this impact factor thing. So it, it looks at how many times your articles were cited, and the impact factor for 2013, for instance, will be uh, articles that were published 2010 and 2011 that were cited in 2012. So there's always a lag time. So for instance, the 2013 impact factor is something our editorial board can't take credit of its work from uh, our predecessors. And then in 2014, we, our impact factor was 5.28. So I'll have to say that for our new group, our first true impact factor that uh, sort of looked at uh, the stuff we had really done was probably 2016 because 2016 will be articles uh, published in 2013 and 2014 that were cited in 2015. So that will be predominantly the articles we accepted and uh, 2016 was 6.595. And then uh, right now in 2018, we are 12.46. And what we are really proud about is the fact that uh, this impact factor puts us as number 10 out of 229 of all oncology journals. And when it comes to uh, respiratory system journals, we are number three. And it's important to note that the 
two that are ahead of us are one in critical care and the other journal is a respiratory journal. So none of these two are oncology focused. So it's fair to say that now in 2018, JTO is truly the number one oncology journal, which is uh, a pretty amazing feat. Uh, uh, looking at the fact that in, let's say, uh, if we go back, let's say, 2014, for instance, we were number seven out of 58. And we're sort of stuck at number seven for quite a while. And now we are number three. So, so I think uh, this has been a combination of a lot of work from our editorial board, ISLC uh, office, and as I alluded to, a lot of the committees of this association that really supports this journal. Well, congratulations. That's great. And I look forward to uh, continuing to, to read JTO online and mobile and uh, sometimes in print. And, and congrats on all you've done. So, and also thank you for taking the time today. Well, thanks a lot, Jack. So on behalf of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, this is Dr. Jack West. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more lung cancer considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues. This is Dr. Jack West. Until next time.